0: Would you stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word? A reading today from 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing For the one who desires life, to love and see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is God's word for us today. And all God's people said, you may be seated. We've been kind of wandering our way through First Peter. And, and if you notice in the last couple of weeks, we talked about a few different things. We were told to how we were to behave among the Gentiles. Specifically, it said, here's how you ought to submit to the authorities. Then it talked about submitting in the workplace. Then it talked last week about husbands and wives and the wife submitting to her husband and the responsibilities of a husband to his wife. And we saw that last week. Well, this week, he begins by this statement to sum it all up. In other words, how are you supposed to behave in this world? How is it that we as Christians should act and should live as we live out the gospel, to live in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received? And that's where we find ourselves today. And if I could sum up this passage today, it'd be something like this. We've been giving given every blessing. God has blessed us in every way, so we need to, in turn, give that same blessing to others. The way that God has treated us is the way that we should treat the lost around us, but not just the lost. If you think of it today, we have government and society, the workplace, the marriage relationship. Well, think today, how should we even act towards one another in the church? How is it that we should behave? And it begins there just with those simple words to sum it all up. Be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit. But look at verse 9. We're going to start there and then come back to verse 8. It says, Not returning evil for evil, or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you were called for this very purpose, that you might inherit a blessing." Look at the end of verse 9 there. We inherit a blessing. That is, we get all of the blessings in Christ. It's not just that we get heaven. When we studied in Ephesians 1, it says that He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That in Him we find everything that we need. All the kindness of God is poured out to us. His patience toward us is on display in the gospel. Think about it in In Romans, when does it tell us that God died for us? In Romans it says, while we were yet sinners, He sent Christ to die for us on that cross. And it was His patience and His kindness and all those things put together. And because we have this great blessing in Christ, we're now supposed to behave in that same way towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also even to those that would, that would do evil to us or insult us. Doesn't it say that there? It says, don't return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead give a blessing. A few years ago, there was a, this popular idea in our culture. There was even a movie called Pay It Forward. You guys remember that movie? I honestly don't think I ever saw it, but it was a big idea in pop, pop culture for a while. And it's still out there. It's kind of this idea. We've kind of made it in our culture of, well, maybe when you go through the drive through you might pay for somebody else's meal, right? And they're in turn, they're not supposed to reward you or pay you back. They're supposed to return that to somebody else. It's a concept of pay it forward. Somebody does a blessing for me, and instead of paying them back, I say, you know what? I'm going to do that same blessing to someone else. And you're supposed to continue this idea. Well, that's not really a biblical idea, necessarily. It may not be a bad idea, but it's something in our culture that kind of reflects this. But you look at this in verse 9, and it really is saying, because you will inherit that blessing, because you have all the blessings that are found in Christ, because God has loved you, you can now love others. And you say, well, is that really a biblical concept? Well, 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. He loved us. And now we reciprocate and do the same for others. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 say this. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. You hear that in Colossians? There's the same idea. You need to be patient with one another in the church even when they say things or do things you don't like. Sometimes you have to be patient. It says, forgive one another. And then it says in the end of Colossians, that verse, it says, just as the Lord forgave you, so should you. And so our example is how we interact with one another. Is How is it that God has interacted with me? What, how has he displayed his great patience for me, right? And that's what this is pushing us to. So let's look back at this, at verse 8. We're going to study this in detail. The first thing it says that we are to do is be harmonious. Your version, your Bible may say of be of one mind. It may say of having unity of mind. It literally means the same mind or same thought. So we are to be together in our thought. We are to be in agreement or concord. Listen, when there's harmony in music, it makes a beautiful sound. You have distinct notes, different notes, and when you put them together, it sounds good. What happens when you're playing those same notes and then somebody hits the wrong note? It's not harmonious, is it? It doesn't sound good anymore. Anybody ever taught a child a musical instrument? Yeah, or, or maybe you think back in school, we all learned little recorders and You know, everybody's blowing on those things, and you don't know what notes are coming out, and it just sounds awful, right? Uh, My daughter wants to learn the violin. And so if you guys are willing to teach her, uh, she definitely needs somebody to teach her. But uh, I'll give you another example. I had a roommate in seminary, and he decided he wanted to learn to play the mandolin. And he would get there, and he'd start learning those different patterns and things, and it was awful, and it was terrible. And you live in a small apartment with four other men, and there's this guy with this mandolin just day and night just playing that thing. And it was awful. He hit all the wrong notes. You know, today he plays in concerts and does things. He's fantastic because he kept going. And when you get the notes right, it's harmonious. It blends together. Well, the way that we think in the church the way we, our attitudes towards one another, the way that we pursue the goals of the kingdom, the way we pursue the goals of the church, says we need to be harmonious in that attitude, harmonious in how we think of one another. In other words, we're not here to cause division and strife. We're not here, you ever meet somebody and they just want to be different just for the sake of being different? And they're going to be divisive just for the sake of being divisive? This is saying don't do that. Be of the same mind. Let's be harmonious. Let's live and dwell together in a good way a way that makes beautiful music before the lord so when we come together in church let us be of one mind and we have too much in common too many bonds to one another through christ to let division and strife rule and reign among us i always come back to philippians 2 and there it says we had the mind of christ that we should have the same mind the same attitude as our brothers and sisters as we serve together the second, so that was, it says, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, and the second one there is sympathetic, that you were able to understand the weaknesses of your fellow believers. Why? Because we're in this together. There is no temptation that any of you have had in life that I haven't had, right? There's no frailty that you have that, you have that I don't have. We're human beings, right? And we all make mistakes, but sometimes we hold other people to a standard that's not realistic. And we wouldn't want them to hold us to that same standard, would we? And so this verse says, be sympathetic. It means to be to have understanding between people, a favorable attitude, a recognition of weaknesses. Um, I didn't write this down, but I'm going to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 just briefly. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Talking about being sympathetic, we want to go to our example. In, in, so in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, I'll start in verse 14. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. You hear that? We have a high priest who knows all the sin that we have in our life. He knows all of our weaknesses, all of our struggles, and it says that he is able to sympathize with us, to feel what we're feeling, to understand the temptation and the fragility of our lives, and yet it says he helps us in our time of need. Because he is such a great high priest, he says we can come to him, to his throne, with confidence and grace. Now, we must interact with one another in the same way. We have to be sympathetic. I have to recognize listen, there are days, or maybe you need to realize, let me switch it around so I don't use you as an example, anybody. There are days where I'm going to mess up, there are days where I know that I will sin. There's are days where I won't get it right. And you know what I need you guys to be? Sympathetic. To recognize that you don't always get it right either. The scripture is clear. When somebody's got a speck of dust in their eye and you want to get to judge them, the first thing you got to do is get the log out of your own eye. That's what the scripture tells us. And so here in 1 Peter chapter 3 is telling us be harmonious, be of one mind, be sympathetic towards one another recognize that we all have weaknesses well let's love each other anyway next it says in the text be brotherly or this is the same word that we get our word Philadelphia from you guys know it it means the city of brotherly love right so that's what Philadelphia means well we're supposed to have brotherly and sisterly love within the church and for other people that is well some of you I want to ask some of you had siblings maybe you didn't get along with as well I don't know but siblings can go through hard times together, right? They can get mad sometimes, they can go through things, but they still love each other and seek the best for one another, or at least they should, right? They're family. Those, those bonds are strong. They're not going to go away. They're tied together. And so as a church, we're supposed to recognize that we are family. As we go through this world, we recognize that we are in this together. We're family. We're supposed to love one another. In in John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And he follows up with this, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Listen, if Jesus can love us in that way, say, I love you more than as a brother. If he can love us like that, shouldn't we love one another in the same way? And that's what he's telling us. Listen, we always come back to this. How does Jesus treat us? He loves us. So how do we treat one another? With brotherly love and kindness. We're supposed to treat everyone in the right way. Next in the text, in 1 Peter chapter, we, chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Be harmonious. Be sympathetic, be brotherly. Then it says, be kind-hearted. So next, we're told to be kind-hearted, which means compassionate, tender-hearted towards one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Again, the same idea. Let's be compassionate. Let's help one another. Let's desire to seek the good of one another. How many of you have ever... Just been angry at another church member? Yeah, I mean, we do, right? And you're not going to find another church where that same thing isn't true. You're not going to find that anywhere. We're always going to have mistakes. And when I said that a minute ago, my, my daughter was pointing at one of her siblings. But she's got to be compassionate, right? The Lord's called us to be compassionate, to be understanding in our interactions with one another. The last thing it tells us to do in this text is to be humble in spirit. The last one is just to be humble. It's the opposite of boasting or bragging. There's a recognition that we are not above anyone else, that we're all of equal worth before God. Again, when we studied Philippians 2 a a while back, we've studied at least once since I've been here, it says, Jesus humbled himself and took on a body like this, became a man. Humbled himself to the point of even obedience to death on the cross. If Jesus can humble himself in that way, how much more should we humble ourselves before one another? Now, I, last week we talked about uh, the wife. We talked about uh, the humility, the meekness that was there, the quiet and gentle spirit. And we and I told you last week, listen, that didn't just pertain to the wife. It doesn't just pertain to the woman because this is the same idea in this text. I want you to be humble in spirit. And we talked last week about how Jesus said he was humble in spirit. And if you come to him, he's lowly and, will, and gentle and would give you rest. And he said he's humble. And again, if Jesus can do it, then so can we. And you begin to say, well... I'm upset by this because we're not talking about just people in the church, right? I get that I should love my brothers and sisters in the church. I should be patient, deal with things even when I don't want to. But what about the rest of the world as we interact with the community around us? I don't really want to do that, Pastor. I don't really want to, you know, when they insult me, I just want to get on Facebook and give it back to them, right? I mean, that's how the Internet works, like, you, you don't have any personal responsibility. You don't have to look somebody in the eye. So you just say what you want on social media. You might get on Twitter or whatever it is, and you're out there and you're just, you're just running your mouth. And then you look at the scripture. What does it say? It says, well, don't return evil for evil. Don't return insult for insult. How many divisions and church splits would have gotten stopped if one person smarted off, got an attitude, spoke evil, insulted someone, and the other person said, Brother, I'm going to bless you and pray for you. That's not normally how it happens, is it? Because we respond in the flesh, and we get angry, and we lash out, and then the fighting continues. But this text is telling us, I don't care who they are, don't return evil for evil. And you say, well, I don't want to return evil. A blessing to someone that's doing evil. And Jesus's point is this, and Peter's point in this text is this. You were called for this very purpose. You are going to receive the ultimate blessing. You already have received the ultimate blessings. So you can then give those same blessings to others, even if they insult you. Well, Jesus, I don't want to. And Jesus says, well, you know, I wasn't really thrilled about dying on the cross but I knew your sins. Yeah, but they're, these are really evil people. And you can imagine Jesus just kind of looking at you like, Son, I know they are, and so are you. And isn't that the humbling part of this? He tells us to be humble in spirit, to recognize my spiritual poverty, and it's all about His grace and hope. And so we look at this and we go, Man, He has called us, He's given us a blessing, such a blessing that we inherit So now we can return that blessing to others. Now, when you get down to verse 10 in the text, look there if you've got your Bible open. It's 1 Peter 3, verse 10. He gives a little bit of an explanation. He says, for this. And then he gives this long quote, which I'm just going to tell you comes from Psalm 34 this morning. Let me read it to you. It says, for the one who desires life. How many of you desire life? Yeah, it says, if you desire life, to love and see good days, he must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you want life, you have to walk with the Lord. Now, I don't mean just salvation, but there's more to this life than just fire insurance, isn't there? Don't we want to inherit the blessings of life? Don't we want to walk with the Lord in a way that we receive the most blessings we can, if you look at it from that sort of perspective? And what this is saying is if you desire life, you want to see love and you want to see good days, then how about this, keep your tongue from evil and lips from speaking deceit. Again, I'm thankful we studied Proverbs 3 a few weeks ago because it was the same idea. If you will follow me, there's life and healing, and refreshment. And he's telling that that to them in this text. Listen, you're going to get a blessing. And there's blessing from living in this way. And so he's urging them on and saying, listen, this isn't just some obligation. It's not just something, oh man, I can't believe I have this burden. i got to love Stephen, no matter what. Bobby's not here today, so I can't make fun of Bobby. Bobby, if you're watching, I've still got my eye on you. But we look at this text, and he's telling us, look, there's blessing for you if you'll follow me. Turn, turn your Bible to Psalm 34. There are parts of this psalm that are referring and pushing us towards Jesus, the Messiah who would come. But I think it's a beautiful psalm, and I'm not going to dwell too much on this today. We're going to read a lot of this psalm as, I, as we get ready to kind of close the sermon down. And I know some of you are going, well, it's only 1147, Pastor, and you've been going over. Well, I'm trying to kind of temper this a little bit. Psalm 34 says this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. It's a beautiful passage. Let's bless his name. Let's bless him because he's blessed us. Verse 4 says, I have sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. You guys hear that? When we seek him, he answers us. He delivers us. It says, They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces will never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him? You know why? We can, we can come back in the New Testament and say, you know what? I can return blessings for insults and I can do good for evil because we recognize the Lord is good and that we are blessed when we take our refuge in him. And we turn all of this over to the Lord and say, you know what? If people will persecute us, if people will speak ill, you know what, God? You have this. No matter what is going on, we can seek you and trust that you have us in the palm of your hand. To continue in Psalm 34, he says, O oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for to those who fear him there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want in any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life? And who loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against the evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the broken hearted. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Amen. Isn't that this beautiful passage? This beautiful understanding? That no matter what happens... No matter what evil is done to you, the Lord, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. He's, his ears are open to their cry, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That there is both blessing and curse in Psalm 34. There is a blessing for those who say, I will follow you and do what is right, and a curse for those who refuse. Now, as we interact in 1 Peter chapter 3, as we think about all this started back in chapter 2 of keep your behavior among the Gentiles, this is how you should live with the, or among the lost. When they persecute you, recognize that the Lord hears your cries, that he knows who you are, that you indeed can give blessings for insults and blessings for evil. Why? Because the Lord is going to take care of the rest. Vengeance is of the Lord. It's not yours. It's not mine. That when you think about the loss and you think about those that would do evil, even to the church. When you think about the persecutors around this world who are legitimately persecuting Christians at this very moment. Even there, we can say a blessing and pray for God's salvation to come to them. Right? Isn't that what this is teaching us? And so we have this ability to trust in him. And we'll come back to this next week. Because you look down in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. You're blessed. You will inherit the blessing no matter what. And so you can choose to love and be harmonious and sympathetic and brotherly and kind-hearted and humble in spirit, not to return evil for evil, not to return insult for insult." You can do that because the Lord is with you and has blessed you. Just a moment. We're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to make a decision. That's what an invitation is. The Lord is spe- if the Lord is speaking to you, if he's convicting you perhaps of sin, today's a day to confess it to him. If the Lord is calling you to greater obedience, you say, you know, I haven't been harmonious. I haven't been of the same mind. Maybe today's a day to say, Lord, I want to support the work of the church. I want to be harmonious to live in a righteous way among my brothers and sisters and also with the world. Maybe you haven't been harmonious or kind-hearted. We've all been there. So now's the time to confess it to the Lord. Maybe today is the day that you need to decide... To make it right with a brother and sister in Christ who's sitting here today. Or perhaps one who couldn't be here today and is at home. Maybe today's the day you say, Lord, I've been holding a grudge for a long time. And it's time for me to make this right. The altar's here and it's open. And you don't have to come down. You can pray from where you are today. But it's here. And the Lord sees what you're doing. If you're looking for a church home... This is also the time to come. If you've never been saved, if you've never been baptized, this is a moment. Come and speak with me. I would love to open the scriptures and tell you how to be saved. I would love to talk to you about what it means to be baptized, to be brought in to the people of God. If you've never been saved and baptized this morning, I, I beg of you to come. I'd be delighted to meet with you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for the message that we find in the Scripture. I thank you that over and over again you point out to us the great love of Christ, that you were patient to us, patient for us when we were still sinners. Father, you're patient with me today. I've been a, a Christian for so long and calling on you for many years. God, you still have to be patient with me. And Father, I pray that I would respond in kind and be patient with my brothers and sisters in Christ. If there's any of us here today with a divisive spirit, with anger or discontent in our hearts, God, I pray that you would help us to confess it to you today. To give it to you. To deal with it in an appropriate manner. To be angry but not sin. To confess it to our brothers and sisters in Christ and to make right relationships that are broken. Father, I pray that you would help us to do that. And Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.